Good morning, church. Whoa, loud. Hey, how is everybody doing? All right. Uh, this morning's a little different. We got uh, pastors recovering from his surgery. So he won't be to, here today. We got Steve. He's going to lead the worship and give the message. So if everybody would stand with us, we will worship. Is this on? Yeah. Good morning, everybody. How many glad you're in the house of the Lord this morning? I tell you what, it's better than being in jail, amen? <laughs> Any day. Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Father, we thank you this morning that we can come and still worship you in a free country. And Lord, we bless your holy name today, Lord, for all that you've done for us. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We bless you in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen and amen. I don't think it's on, brother. Hang on, technical difficulties. Need a little more sound in the monitors for me. Who am I that you are mindful of me? A little more in the monitors, if you will. That you love me when I call. Oh, you know what, man? Hang on. Let's start over. We got some technical difficulties here. I think the thing was muted. Hang on a second. Aren't you glad for technology? Sometimes. Sometimes. All right, let's try this again. There we go. A little more than the monitors if I can, bro. Track. My that you are mindful of me That you hear me When I call Is it true that you are thinking of me How you love me It's amazing and I am a friend of God I am a friend of God I am a friend of God He calls me forever Sing it again I am a friend of God I am a friend of God I am a friend of God He calls me friend am I that you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I call? Is it true that you are thinking of me, how you love me? 
It's amazing, and I am a friend of God. I am a friend. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me for I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me for God Almighty, Lord of glory, you have called me friend. God Almighty, Lord of glory, you have called me friend. Sing that again, Lord God Almighty, God Almighty, Lord of glory, you have called me friend. Sing that one more time. We sing, God Almighty, Lord of glory, you have called me friend. God Almighty, Lord of glory, you have called me friend. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Come on, sing it again. I'm a friend. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. You call me friend. Sing it one more time. I'm a friend. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Sing it one more time. I'm a friend. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. And I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand of praise this morning. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Good morning, family. How's everybody doing today? 
just have a real short announcement on the, some missionary stuff that came in the mail um, for like 30-day prayers. So if you feel inspired to look at this, I'll put them out in the foyer. And some of it's for like uh, different churches, for military, uh, U.S. leaders. But there's, a, I mean, not everybody's going to be able to get all of them. If you feel inspired, that's great. But it's just something that came in the mail that I felt a call in from June 5th to July 1st for our nation. So thank you very much, and you, let's have a great day today. All right, thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, we got a couple of announcements. The biggest one I just found out, it's Pastor and Deb's 35th anniversary. 35 years! That's amazing! That's something special. That's longer than I've been alive. <laughs> huh? Yeah. If you're watching, you're old. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that is special. 35 years in a row. I mean, that's something. That's I like that. Uh, we have just a couple announcements. Uh, Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. We have our uh, Bible, sh- Bible ship, Bible class, bubble study. Um, it's super good. Uh, we, we're in it a couple weeks. It's never too late. So if you want to join, just contact us. We'll get you a book. We'll get you whatever you need. It's, it's super good. There's the devotionals all week long. We talk about it on Wednesday. It's been super powerful. I, I've enjoyed it. And just having that time, me and, me and Anna do them together every night, and it's, it's special. Uh, up next, Sandwich Sunday, next Sunday. Whoop, whoop. It's sandwiches and sides. So uh, bring, bring sandwiches, sides, whatever you like. No food is bad food. Um, a big one, we got an outreach coming up, grad night for the high school for Argonaut and Amador. That's going to be over at the Lofton Ranch uh, behind Rayleigh's. And that's, <laughs> so that's, it, it's late. Um, it's from 8 to 10 o'clock. We do have some sign-ups in the back. The, uh, there is a few people that have signed up. It's going to be fun. We're just serving popcorn, snow cones, cotton candy, all the good stuff, getting them hopped up on sugar. Uh, and then don't forget, every Sunday morning, here at nine o'clock with J- Miss Jerry d- downstairs, we have Bible study. Uh, don't miss out. Anytime you can get plugged in, get more Bible time, whether that be alone, whether that be with a group of church family, get it. Search for it. Grab a hold of it. You can't have enough. So with that being said, it's that awesome time. We get five minutes meet and greet. Y'all can stand up and uh, meet meet and greet more each other.
All right. <laughs> Five minutes. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, if we can all head towards our seats. We're going to receive the offering, tithes and offerings. And Lori is going to pray over that. Lord God, as we come with our humble offering, Lord God, I would ask that you would multiply it to your kingdom, Lord God. As we sow a precious seed into your kingdom, I ask you for the blessings, the promises that you've said in obedience we would have, Lord God. So today, as you are right here and all of those watching us online as well, ask God would you would and sow a precious seed. God is a man of his word and he will bless you mightily. Thank you, Lord God, for giving us wisdom to be able to sow properly and sow humbly with our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name, I give you thanks and praise. Amen. Why don't you take five more minutes and greet with <laughs> Yeah.
Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing a new song. Him who sits on heaven's mercy seat.
creation I see. Praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything and I will Filled with wonder, awestruck wonder, at the mention of your name. Jesus, your name is power, breath and living water, such a marvelous mystery. God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything and I will adore you. I will adore you, Lord. Filled with wonder.
Aleluia. How great is our God, how 
close to you Never let me go Lay it all down again, yes, Lord, to hear you say that I'm your friend. You are my desire, and nothing else will do. Cause nothing else can take your place. Need to feel the warmth of your embrace. Help me find the way. Help me find the way. Lead me back to you. Lead me back to you, Lord. You're all I want. You're all I've
You alone are worthy, Lord. You alone are worthy. We thank you, Lord, that we're gathered here in this place, that your Holy Spirit is here, Lord. We pray that you would speak to our heart this day, Lord, and change our lives. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. You may be seated. How many have your Bibles with you this morning? If you have your Bibles, go with me to um, Acts chapter 2. I think it threw some people off. I was talking to one pastor um, the other day, I got, well, last night, actually, and um, had mentioned that I was going to be ministering the Word up here, and my wife goes, yeah, Pentecost Sunday, and he kind of looked puzzled, like, oh, I forgot. Everybody was thinking about Memorial Day, and people were thinking about going out and spending time with family, doing barbecues and things like that, but this is very important. Sunday, especially for, for Pentecostals, I, I, probably for every Christian, I would hope, but uh, that's not always the case, but especially for us. And what Pentecost Sunday, it's the 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, we celebrated Easter. Doesn't that seem like that's been a long time ago when we were up there on the mountain? I was just thinking about that the other day, and... Um, well, actually, this morning when I, when I pulled in, I was thinking about that, and I thought, man, it seems like so long ago. It's been 50 days, and uh, thank God that Jesus rose from the dead, that he didn't just die on the cross for our sins. Otherwise, he's just a martyr, but he rose from the dead, and after he rose from the dead, he took 40 days telling his disciples about the kingdom of God, and then he said this to them. He said, I want you to go into Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. In fact, before we read Acts 2, let's read what Jesus said in Acts 1. He says, um, let's start uh, with verse 3. Jesus presented himself alive to them, to his disciples, after his sufferings, by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So 10 days later, they, they did what he said. They went into Jerusalem and they were in prayer, probably with fasting. And uh, they're in an upper room. And we tend to focus on the upper room. I think most of us that have grown up in a, in a Pentecostal church, a full gospel church, have talked about the upper room. But actually, although they started in the upper room, what we're about to read actually took place in the temple. And that's, um, the reason for that was, is that this was a, 
a feast day of the Jews. They didn't, of course, call it Pentecost. They called it the Feast of Shavuot. And uh, it was the time when Jesus, or Moses rather, went up to Mount Sinai and received the law from the Lord. Now the interesting thing about that, that was Old Covenant. He received the commandments on stone. But the Lord said the promise of the New Covenant would be that I would write my laws where? In your heart and in your mind. And the blessing of the New Covenant is that the Holy Spirit would come and live within us and take out that old stony heart of flesh and give us a stony heart and give us a heart of flesh. So they're here in the temple, and it says on this day, and the reason why there were so many Jews, we're going to read about this, the reason there were so many Jews there is because they were there for the feast of Shavuot. When Moses had gone up to Mount Sinai and received the Ten Commandments. Now, in our Bibles, it says this in chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, or the, when the, the Feast of Shavuot had fully arrived, 50 days after the Feast of first fruits or the Resurrection of Christ, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Reinhard Bonnke used to always say there was a flame for every head. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were telling about the wonderful things of God, the mighty works of God, verse 11 says. And in verse 12, here's our text. All were amazed and perplexed and said to one another, the King James says, what meaneth this? If you're reading from the New King James or the English Standard Version, it simply says, what does this mean? But I've entitled this message this morning, what meaneth this? Because it's important to understand what it means to be a Pentecostal believer. Some of that has been lost. We were somewhere the other day, and um, again, my wife was sharing with, with somebody just talking about how it was Pentecost Sunday. And somebody said, what is that? And, and this was in a Pentecostal church. What, what is that? And a lot of people don't really understand, I think, anymore what it means to be Pentecostal. That's what we're going to talk about. Because it is possible, the Bible tells us, to have a name and not have the substance. Revelation 3, in verse 1, Jesus, talking to the church at Sardis, says this. He says, you have a name that you're alive, but you're really dead. We definitely don't want to be in that category, amen? And actually, when you think about it, what is death except the spirit leaving the body? James chapter 2 and verse 26 says exactly that, that as the body without the spirit is dead. You know, I think most of us understand, or we should, or if you've never heard this before, death is not the end. You're an eternal being created in the image of God, and when you, when you die, when this body 
stops working, your spirit leaves your body and goes in one of two places. Either heaven because you have made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, or hell because you have rejected Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, Jesus said of a church, we are the body of Christ, the Bible describes us, the church as, that just like in the natural, that if the spirit leaves the body, the body's dead. So think about that. That's why Jesus said to that church, he says, you have a name that you're alive. I think about how many, when you go into a different city or if you move somewhere else, I don't know if you do this, but I do this. I look up on, uh, you know, back in the day, some of you are going to remember this, we had phone books, right? We don't, we don't use those really anymore. For those that are younger, don't remember what phone books are. They used to put these books out that were like that thick. They had all the businesses in them. And you could look up churches. Or you could look up full gospel churches, what have you. Today, you can go on Google and look up full gospel church. Now, I, I know that uh, one time when my wife and I were, were back east, we, we were between ministries. We, were, we helped this one uh, ministry that was just getting started, and they didn't have a worship leader. And so we helped them for, from six months to a year, somewhere in that range. And uh, finally, they, they got in a place where uh, they were not really so much in need of our help. And so this, is, this was one of the largest cities in the Midwest. So I started to look. I thought, okay, well, where else? Would it there be to, to find a, a good church for, for my wife and I where we can get in and help and also where the Spirit of God would be moving? So I, like probably some of you would do, I got on Google and looked up full gospel churches. Well, I had been around this city before, and I knew that some of the churches that were listed in full gospel churches in Google were not full gospel churches. Because a full gospel church it simply means it's, it's a church that believes that Jesus is the Savior that he's a healer, that he's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, and that he's the soon-coming king. Now, there are some groups that believe a, a doctrine for those of you that... Uh, oh, by the way, whenever I preach, take some notes, because I, I don't waste your time. I'm not saying anybody, that anybody else wastes your time. But what I am saying is when I'm, when I'm speaking, I'm putting out information you can hold on to that will help you later. So... There are some groups that, there's, it's a term, it's a fancy term called cessationism. It's like when something ceases. And so what they believe is that when the, the canon of Scripture was completed, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit stopped. Anybody ever been around somebody like that? Or a denomination like that? You came up in something like that? Well, that's not true because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's nowhere in this Bible where you're going to find that God's plan was to just get the first century church started and the century right or the church right before the return of Christ, you guys are on your own with crack and fentanyl and online pornography. You guys are just going to have to slug it out on your own because that was just for the first century church. Well, they didn't have these issues that we're having today. So if they needed the power of God, how much more do we need the power of God? Amen. Now, uh, Jesus said that it is possible to have a name that you're alive and yet be dead. Being dead means that the, spirit of, the Spirit's not there. All right, so we don't want to be in that group. And so when it says, when, when these guys were looking at this sound that came from heaven 
and this commotion and that these guys were speaking in the languages that all around the world that they come from, Arabs and Grecians and all these different people, they were hearing them testify the wonderful works of God in their own language. And they said, what meaneth this? So that's what we're going to look at today. What, what does it mean? What, what did that first day of Pentecost mean? What's it mean for us today? So to be fully Pentecostal means, first and foremost, the presence of the Holy Ghost. Write that down. That's point number one. The presence of the Holy Spirit. It says when this event happened, there was a sound, okay, filled the whole house, and there were tongues of fire that sat on each head. But the most significant one thing it says is they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The number one characteristic of a truly Pentecostal church is the manifest presence of God. I want you to write that down. The manifest presence of God. In other words, where the presence of God is manifested. You feel it, you know it, that God is there. If you ever listen to people that are truly anointed by God, and then if you get used to that, it's very clear when somebody gets up that does not have the anointing or the presence of God on their life, it's, it's very clear. It's... It's, it's sometimes hard to describe to somebody else what the anointing is or what the Spirit of God is when it, He's moving in our midst. But I think all of us know when the Spirit of God is at work. Now, this is different from what we know as the doctrine of the omnipresence of God, which says this. The doctrine of the omnipresence of God basically says God is everywhere. And we know that's true. God is everywhere. And sometimes you'll hear people out here say, well, you know, I don't need to go to church. I go up on the mountain. I feel God there. He's in the trees. He's in the... Okay, well, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, God is everywhere. Technically, uh, the people that were in the bars last night, technically, God is everywhere. Okay, if somebody comes in there and starts singing on karaoke, Amazing Grace, maybe there's some backslidden person in there where they have a memory of a time when God touched their life and the Spirit of God can move on that person. But how many of you know as a whole, you're not feeling God in that bar? You're feeling a Spirit for sure. But it ain't the Holy Spirit. Right? Are you following me? There's, everybody following me? There's a difference between the doctrine that God is everywhere and what I'm talking about, the manifest presence of God. That's what we want in our churches, in our homes, and in our lives. Now, unfortunately... There are many churches around the world today where the Lord's presence is not manifest at all. You can go to some, now I'm telling you what you're feeling right now, this is, this is the presence of God that you're sensing in here. You can go many places and sit there and uh, they're going through religious material. They might even be reading from the Bible, but you're not feeling the presence of God there. My wife came up in a denomination, I guess you can call it that, um, a church where they taught the Bible, they had catechisms, they had baptisms even, but never felt the presence of God. That's the first thing she'll tell somebody when she runs into somebody who was raised in that same church. I never felt God there. And a lot of times you'll hear those people, when you, when you give them a Bible, they, they'll say, you know, I read it, but I just don't understand it. 
The reason is, is because you've got the, a body without the spirit. And the body without the spirit is dead. Religion on its own is dead. The spirit of God is what gives life. Jesus said the spirit gives life. Now there's a lot of churches in America that they can preach without the anointing. You know, I've been places really honestly where, where they get everybody worked up in an emotional frenzy, but I don't feel God there. That's a fact. I, I'm not trying to criticize anything, but, but you can... Yeah, how many know you can get on the music and bum, 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 and then, you know, people are doing their, their dance and whatever, but I'm not really feeling God there. there. There's a difference between getting excited in your soul and God touching you in your spirit. The spirit gives life. You can feel the movement in your soul when they put, if you're a patriotic person like I am, even when they play the national anthem. Have a tear rolling down your face, you know. Uh, I guess I could have done that today, put up, you know, since we're going to Memorial Day, the flag, and and, you know, you get stirred in your, in your emotions, in your soul. But what I'm talking about is that which gives life. So there are many people, they preach without the anointing, they conduct their services without the manifest presence of God. But when you look at their results, listen now, concerning people getting saved, healed, and delivered, nothing happening. Why is that? Because God hasn't changed. When the manifest presence of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit is manifest. Like here, right now. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 25 describes it this way. That as unbelievers come in, when they listen, the secret thoughts of their heart will be exposed. And they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly there among you. And that's what we need. Because people coming in here... Um, it's easy to, you know, put your best foot forward and, and seem like you've got it all together. And maybe your family's falling apart. Maybe people are addicted to drugs or, or alcohol and, and many different things. But the only thing that will expose the secrets of their heart and cause them to reach out to God is when the Holy Spirit touches their life. So above all else, what we need is the Holy Spirit moving in our church, our hearts, our homes. Now here's a few common aspects that happen when the presence of God is manifested. You may want to write these down. The first one is conviction of sin. Now Isaiah chapter 6, pastor preached on this, I don't know, within the last six months. But in Isaiah chapter 6, remember Isaiah was a prophet. He, he was a holy man. This is not somebody who was living a double life. He was a holy man, and he was going up to the temple. He'd been in the temple many times before. But this time, God revealed himself in a way that he had never experienced. And you remember the story? The first thing he said, he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his glory filled the temple. 
the manifest presence of God filled the temple. And he said what? He didn't say, oh, this is awesome. He said, woe is me, for I am undone. This is a man that walked with God, that spoke the very words of God, wrote the book of Isaiah. And yet in the presence of a holy God, he saw that there was things in his life that needed to be adjusted. And that's what we need more than anything else. Because we can go on in our lives and, uh, you know, we can think, well, I'm not drinking, I'm not smoking, I'm not into pornography, I'm, I don't know what else can I, whatever else that can happen. And we, and we think, you know, we're, we're okay. I'm not cussing, I don't chew, I don't go with girls that do. Right? And we think we're okay. But when the Spirit of God begins to move in your heart, there are little attitudes and things that God begins to bring to your attention. I had a time like that even last night. It's not, it wasn't something scandalous or terrible, really, but there were some things the Lord was dealing with me about. And um, why was that? It's because the Lord woke me up at four in the morning and began to move upon my heart. And whenever that happens, I'm, I'm not like, I just want to roll over and go back to sleep. Listen, when God shows up, I want to talk. So when the manifest presence of God begins to move in your heart and life, so this is what we should be seeking. God, touch me afresh. God, move in my heart, move in my life. The first thing that happens is there's a conviction of sin. Because why? Because when the light gets bright, how many, have you ever seen a, like a vase or a vase, however people pronounce it? It could have little fine cracks in it that you may not see if it was sat over there in that dark corner. But if you bring it under a bright light, all of a sudden you start seeing cracks. Why? Because the light is brighter, and when the light is brighter, you can see things that are wrong. Now, the good thing is this. God does not just convict you of sin and leave you there. With the conviction of sin, when Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I'm undone, the Lord provided cleansing for him. Touched his lips with a coal from the altar of God. And then commissioned him to go out and preach the gospel even more. So one of the things that happens when the presence of God comes into our heart and life, the reason why we want that to happen in our church is because there's conviction of sin. You know, there's a lot of people out here on the street, if you go and witness to them, they'll, they'll tell you, well, I'm a pretty good person. You know, I, I treat people good. I, I do the golden rule. But, but that's, you know, how many know God doesn't grade on a curve? Nobody gets in because they're a good person. Because our righteousness is as filthy rags. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And all need to be saved by faith through what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. So conviction of sin is one thing that happens. The other thing that happens is great joy. Great joy. Psalm 16 verse 11 says that in his presence is fullness of joy. You know that a depressed Christian is an anomaly? Shouldn't exist. God's not wanting for you to have to go to a doctor and get numbed out by this and that. What, what we really need is to get back in the presence of God and in his presence there's a fullness of joy. It's okay to smile, church. Amen. 
shouldn't be in a full gospel church, a Pentecostal church, and it feels like a funeral. I mean, who died? Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. Presence of joy. Peace is another thing that happens, even in the worst trouble. This is why you need more than anything else to be seeking more of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because we're living in a time where Jesus said that he's going to shake everything that can be shaken. And we're just seeing a little bit of shaking. That whole COVID deal, that was just a little bit of shaking. We're headed into a time where the Bible says that the Antichrist is, is trying to rise trying to do the one world government, the one world economy, the one world religion. But you can have peace even in the midst of that. The Bible says in Acts 12, verse 5 through 7, you know, the apostle Peter had been preaching the gospel. They had told him, don't preach anymore in this name. And he said, well, you know, I'm going to ask you a question. Should I obey God or you? And he kept on preaching. And they threw him in prison. Now, they just killed one of the apostles, James, the brother of John, one of the sons of Zebedee, one of the first that were called by Jesus. So Peter is in prison, and they're going to bring him out the next day to execute him. Here's what it says. Peter was kept in prison. This is Acts 12, verses 5 through 7. Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. You know why it's important to meet together as a church, not online? That's what the devil was after. You know, honestly, the devil's plan in that whole COVID thing was to totally dismantle the church. You don't meet together. I mean, I don't want that to happen to my generation. My grandkid says, you know, Dad, what was church like in your day? Grandpa, what was church like in your day? Well, you know, grandchild, back in my day, we would, we would meet together and we would sing and worship God and have all night prayer meetings. But those days are gone. What happened? Well, this flu came through and uh, shut us down, and we just never opened it back up. Did you know that if the church had not been meeting like that, no one would have been praying to God for Peter as he's in prison? That's just a little side note. You're awfully quiet for a full gospel Presbyterian church. Now, the night before Herod was going to bring him out to trial, he was going to kill him. Listen to this. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. How many of you think, you know what, man, I, I'm not even going to ask this question because I saw what happened. That COVID thing, man, everyone's walking around with a mask, a baby diaper on your face. And I mean, people are still doing that. I was like, that thing's, wasn't that from like, like 2020? What year is this? Is this 2023? Holy smoke, you're still wearing that thing? I mean, I don't know, I probably shouldn't say this, but a study showed that, that ugly people are the ones that are keep wearing those. <laughs> I didn't write that. that that's an actual study. You can go find that. The unattractive people are the ones that, because, that, I, I, you know, I don't like them. I never liked them. I hated it. There's an inner, you know what, I'm an American. There's an inner rebel in me. There are people that say, 
I'm surprised more people didn't come running in the church saying, they tell me I can't go to church. Bless God, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to get saved, as a matter of fact. They're telling me I can't do it. That's what Americans are like. And I don't know why Christians are so afraid of dying. That makes no sense to me. You're going to go to be with Jesus. I hope that we never, ever bow down to that again. I'm going to get off this topic, but I'm telling you something. That Peter was about to be taken out and to be executed, and he's asleep. Why? Because the presence of God was in that cell with him. Now, this is greatly different than when Peter was in a boat with the other disciples the first time a storm hit. They run down there in Mark chapter 4, and they're shaking Jesus, and they're saying, Lord, Master, carest thou not that we perish? They're freaking out. They're in COVID mode. And Jesus gets up, wipes the sleep out of his eyes, rebukes the storm, and said, where's your faith? Well, there's been a lot of things that happened since then. Peter's been filled with the Holy Ghost. And now, on the night that he's about to be taken out and beheaded, he is asleep. That's what happens with the presence, the manifest presence of God in your life, in your home, in your church. You're going to have peace even in the midst of whatever the devil or the World Economic Forum tries to send down the pike next. Or Fauci or any of them. It won't matter if you lay hold of the presence of God. He was asleep on the night that he was going to be executed. He was so asleep, verse 7 says an angel appeared and a light shone in his cell. And that didn't even wake him up. How many of that's, that is sleep, sleep? And the angel smacked him on the leg and woke him up and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. In the manifest presence of God, there's conviction. There's great joy. There's great peace. There's also great power. Luke 5 verse 11 says that the presence of the Lord was there to heal them. So you can see, like I said, why the devil wants to shut the church down. You know the World Economic Forum. How many of you have heard about that? that what's his name? Oh. Klaus Schwab something. You will eat the crickets, that guy. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. They want to take away your meat and feed you crickets. Did you know that? They want to say that meat's bad for you. Meat's not bad for me. I live on meat. I am a carnivore. Cricket's not going to do it for me. I'm not looking to have a cricket burger. Nothing like that. I'm going to eat as much. Every time they say, you know, you can't eat meat, I'm going to eat more meat. But they had a meeting. This is a fact what just happened. They had a meeting and they called some of these um, denominational heads together, these religious leaders, and there's three things they wanted them to, to do in their churches. They wanted them to stop preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They wanted them to stop teaching on healing because they want people to think that, that you need to get these vaccines and all this stuff. There's going to be a lot that comes out about that. But that wasn't all that they said it was. They wanted to stop teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They wanted to stop teaching on healing. And they want to stop teaching on prosperity or that God wants to bless you financially. Now listen to me. There's a lot of people. You know, I came up in a denomination 
that basically didn't teach anything except that, you know, you, you tithe and, you know, God will, God will get you through. God wants to more than get you through. God wants you to have enough to help somebody else. I can, ch- you know what, if I ever take the time to preach a message on this, the Bible is filled with the fact that God wants your cup to overflow. God wants you to have the ability to bless others. How can you feed the hungry when you're hungry? Does that make any sense at all? How can you bless somebody financially if you're not blessed? So that's what the World Economic Forum wants. And for obvious reasons. Because it doesn't want you to teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't want you to teach on healing. Because they want you to think... They want you to be afraid of any sickness they come up with next, and they don't want you to trust God for healing, and they don't want you to be blessed or prosperous. Why? Because the, the, the little thing they're trying to run right now is you will own absolutely nothing and be happy. How many of you have seen that little commercial? Right? That's their plan. Now, they're going to be blessed and prosperous, but you, you'll own nothing and be happy. That's their plan for your life. I say no. I'm going to live in the kingdom of God. So what meaneth this? What is Pentecost about? It's about the presence of the Holy Spirit. Second, it's about praying in the Spirit. I'm not going to get through all these points today. We'll, we'll, we'll do what we can. But let me, let me cover this one. It says that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That is important. I, it's funny ever so often, someone will give you a question, well, you know, Brother Steve, do I have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to get to heaven? No, but it's going to be very hard. And the reason I say that is, is because there are things that come along in your life that you don't know how to pray for as you ought. And that's where the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes into play. Romans 8.26 says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. You know what the greatest benefit, the greatest initial benefit of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that speaking in other tongues. Now, I've told this story, but I'm here once before. I'm going to tell it again, though, is, you know, when I was a kid, I, I grew up in this. My mother's here today. You know, I'm, I'm thankful that she's here, and, and she can vouch for this, that this was the case. Grew up in a full gospel church, and, um, you know, ever so often, you know, you'd, Sister Holy Ghost, well, I don't call her, I don't know, Sister Betty, whatever, would, would give a message in tongues, and then somebody interpret it. And I just assumed, well, at some point, that's just going to drop on me. You know, in all my years coming up in a Pentecostal church, I never heard one message that I remember. And I was in church all the time. My mom would tell you, we, we were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night for revival services. I don't ever remember somebody preaching on the individual baptism of the Holy Spirit and, that, and how you could receive that. I never, never heard that. Never did. So I just assumed at some point it's just going to like happen to me. That's not what happens. The Bible says that we seek and that as we ask, the Holy Spirit will be given to us. 
He says, the father, as an earthly father, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? I have no idea why people are nervous. Well, I do. It's, it's the devil. The devil wants to make you nervous about the baptism of the Holy Spirit because there's power there. And there's the ability to pray for things that when you come up against stuff that you don't know, and I'm telling you, church, there are things that are coming on the pike you're not going to know how to pray for in English. Where you, what are you going to say? Just, you know, Lord, your will be done. Well, there's a lot of stuff that comes along your way that's not the Lord's will. The Lord expects us to pray. If it was not important, why would the Lord tell his disciples, go in that upper room and don't leave until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? One of the things that happens in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, says that he that speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak unto men. If I begin to pray in the Spirit right now, I'm not talking to Bob. I'm talking to God, the Bible says. It says, in an unknown tongue, you speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understands him. If I begin to pray in the Spirit right now, Bob, you wouldn't know what I meant. But God does. Because it says... Howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries, or one version says divine secrets. It also says that when you pray in the Holy Spirit, that you edify yourself, you build yourself up. It's like getting strong in the spirit. It's like a person who is training in the gym to get stronger, to get into shape. When we pray in the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4, That the person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. You're building up your spirit man. And you want to be strong spiritually in the days that are coming down the pike. You don't want to be a spiritual, malnourished, on life support Christian. You want to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. One of the ways that happens... And this needs to be emphasized more and more because the full gospel, you know, whether it's Assemblies of God, Church of God, Foursquare, they're getting away from spending time preaching this message. But they need to be, we need to rise up again, begin to tell people, listen, this is for your benefit. You're going to need this. You need to be strong in the spirit. Now, when I was back east, and uh, when, I, when I got ordained with the, with the denomination that I was with, um, it, it was in a Midwestern state. And there, there was a, the district superintendent there was a man of God named, well, I'm not even going to say his name. So anyway, he's passed on now, but it was a wonderful man of God. He was in the Korean War. And when he was, when he was done with his term of service, he was about to get on a plane to come back to the States. Now, his parents were, were people of God, Holy Ghost filled, and they got this burden for, for their son. They didn't know what it was. Has that happened to anybody here ever? Where all of a sudden you're ill at ease, you don't know exactly what, but you don't sometimes even know who it is. Sometimes if you're a mother, you may know it's your child. You know, if you're, if, if you're a, a married person, you may realize it's your spouse. But sometimes you just don't know. You have this inner, this kind of this unpeace, this you know what I'm saying? Well, that's how it was with this man's parents. And they didn't know what to do. They began to pray in the Holy Spirit. And they just prayed in tongues and prayed in tongues until they got a release. The old time Pentecostals used to call that praying through. Until that lifts. 
Well, come to find out the plane that Brother Lowenberg was supposed to get on crashed. Something happened where they delayed him to a later flight. If he had been on that plane, he would have died and never accomplished the great things that God had for him as a man of God. What happened? The Lord began to speak to his people, his parents, and said there was this burden. They, they didn't know how to pray as they ought. They didn't even know what was going on. But they began to pray in the Holy Ghost. And as they prayed in the Holy Ghost, God moved Brother Lowenberg away from this situation and spared his life so he could go on to live a godly life, to accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. How many of you think that's a good thing? If you believe that, give the Lord a, a hand of praise this morning. I'm telling you, that's a good thing. You're going to want that in your life. You need that. Your parents need that. Your church needs that. Your nation needs that. Your state needs that. Your city needs that. It is important to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's also the power of the Holy Spirit. We're running out of time, but, but, but let, me, let me say this. The, church, the full gospel Pentecostal church is not to, supposed to be a place where you never see a miracle. That's an oddity. I know it's common in America, but it's not in other places of the world. Blind eyes coming out. Listen, if you've been raised in a Pentecostal church, there should have been some point where you saw a blind eye come open, you saw a deaf ear come open, you saw somebody come out of a wheelchair, you saw somebody get healed of cancer, or, or what have you. God's plan for the end times was not just to raise up some great medical doctors where you trust the science. How many are realizing that maybe we shouldn't trust the science? You know, and if they go through with their plan... People like us are going to be on the low end of the totem pole when it comes to getting medical care. You're going to need to know that Jesus heals, still heals today by the power of the Holy Ghost. Acts 8 verses 4 through 8 says those that have been scattered by a persecution that came against the church, they went everywhere and Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed Christ there. Listen to this. Now this was just a deacon. Brother Bob, this was a deacon. This was not somebody who'd been to Bible college. They didn't have a Bible college yet. He'd not been ordained, all the stuff we think that you've got to do to be used of God. This was a normal deacon. Philip was a deacon that all of a sudden persecution hit the church. And he said, you know what? I remember Jesus said that you'll preach this gospel to Samaria, the other ends of the, other ends of the earth. I'm going to go down to Samaria. I'm going to see what God will do. You know, sometimes that's enough. You just go out with the word of God on your lips and the spirit of God in your heart and see what God will do. If you believe that, say amen. Because God has not changed. And we're not, I'm not going to short sell the power of God or the name of Jesus. And he went down there. The Bible says when, when they saw, they heard what what Philip preached, and they saw the miracles that were done. Hallelujah. When they saw the miracles that were done, they paid attention to what he said, and many were saved. Acts, or Mark 16, verse 17 through 18. And these signs will follow them that believe. How many believers do we have in here this morning? These signs, God wants to, to follow you with them, that when you 
get out here and you preach the gospel and you're witnessing to people that, that Jesus says they will cast out demons. I'm going to tell you what, that, that's also something that is supposed to be normal. If you've never seen it, I'll tell you what, it's, it's funny to me. I don't even know how many demons I, I've cast out. I don't, I don't keep a log. But it, it's a lot. And it, I wasn't seeking for that ministry. It just, it, it, you know, people are demonized. And when they're demonized, I'm not going to say, you know, call the cops and let's tase them and put them in a nut ward. I mean, sometimes they're just demonized. And they need to be delivered. You know, you see these people walking on the street with no shirt, talking to themselves. That, that's not, you know, people are like, oh, that's just mental illness. It's probably a demon. And you get out there and start. I remember the first time I had a contact with a woman, we called her Crazy Mary. She's been delivered, praise God. But Crazy Mary used to wander the streets uh, in Junction City, Kansas, where I was stationed in the military. And the story was that she had been, uh, this terrible story, she had been, I don't know another word for it, she was gang raped by a bunch of soldiers and it, it broke her, messed her up, filled her with demons. And for years, Crazy Mary wandered the streets. And you know, when I was a new believer, newly filled with the Holy Ghost and everything, you know how it is? You're like, I wonder if that's a demon. That ever, Jesus calling somebody. So, you know, does that happen? You're like, I wonder if that's a demon. So I, I pulled my car over and I started, you know, kind of meek. At this point, a little meek because I was just getting into it. And this woman literally started quoting like the book of James to me verbatim. That's a demon. She's out of her head, but can quote the book of James. Now, Pentecostal church is a church that has power. Man, I'm out of, let, let, me, let, me finish, let me finish this point here. Fourth thing about Pentecostal church, we're going to close with this, and I'm not going to expound on this much, but let me tell you this, the purity of the spirit. You know, he's called the Holy Spirit. That's important. The Holy Spirit. The Bible says without holiness, no one's going to see the Lord. And what that means basically is you cannot serve the Lord while you're holding the hand of the world, sin, and the devil. It's not going to work. Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21 says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, the list goes on and on, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Paul says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. You got to know that. It doesn't matter if you're in a church, do you come to church? If you're living like this, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 11 says this, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He says, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor people who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor swindlers will ever inherit the kingdom of God. But then it says this, and such were some of you. I can find myself in that list before before Jesus, such were some of you. I'm in that. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. God, does, God will tell you the truth every single time. Only the devil lies. It's impossible for God to lie. God will tell you the truth of where you're at, but he will not leave you there. He's got a solution. He says, this great list of stuff, he says, these people are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Drunkards, adulterers, fornicators, homosexuality, greedy drunkards, all these things. He says, and such were some of you, but you were washed. What's that mean? That means the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross can cleanse you and forgive you from every single sin and set you free. If you believe that, give the Lord a good amen this morning. I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus Christ will set you free. It's not 12 steps, it's one step. Come to Jesus as you are. Let him wash you, let him sanctify you, let him justify you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You don't have to live bound, depressed, tormented, sick. That's not God's plan for you. You don't have to live like that. You can be free by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. We need to let the world know that they don't need to be bound by besetting sin, by fear, by depression, but where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. Jesus didn't just come so you can cope better. He came to set you free. He said, I come to give you life and that you have it more abundantly. I'm going to tell you the last six months of this year can be the best six months of your life. Those things that are in your past, the things that you may be struggling with even now, can be dropped off, and you can have the next six months of your life, can be the best six months of your life, because God has come to set you free and has a plan for your life to use your life. You're important to God. You're here for a reason. But it's not going to be by might or by human power. It's only going to come by the Spirit of the living God. Now I preach myself happy. Jesus has a plan for every person here. Anybody, I don't know if this thing's online today or not. If it is, God's got a plan for you. If you're in the sound of my voice, I want to tell you, God's got a plan for your life. You are not here by accident. But you've got to come to Jesus. You've got to let him set you free. You need that filling of the Holy Ghost. That's what, that, that, that's what he came for, to fill us to set us free, and to use us. God can use your life. Do something great with your life. Amen. I mean, what are you doing with it? Give it to God. Let him have it. He'll do something great. He's doing something great with mine, and I was nobody. I was in that list. I've heard several things there in that list. But he set me free. He justified me. He washed me. He cleansed me. He set me free, and he's using me today. Hallelujah. Did you have a question, brother? Yeah, go ahead.
Yeah. Yeah. You know what that reminds me of when you when you're sharing that? Thanks for sharing that. That's uh that's so important. There's a story in Mark one. We're done, but let me just share this on his point. There was a leper that came to Jesus in Mark one, verse forty. And fell on his knees. And here's what he says. He says, Lord, if you will, I know you can make me clean. And that's what you're talking about. They say, I believe in God. I know God can, but will he? Jesus was moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and said to him, I do want to heal you. Be clean. And immediately that condition left him and he was made clean. Now, listen, God is no respecter of persons. If you're here this morning and you're thinking, I know God can do this, but will he? Yes, he will. He, he just said it right there. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Lord. I change not. So he's still in the miracle business. He's still in the forgiving business and the setting people free business. Amen. So when you're out there on the street and you're talking to people, or maybe you're here this morning, and uh, you've, you've not yet made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, or maybe you made a decision and you've gone back on that. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ loves you, and he wants to set you free again for, for good. He wants to set you free. He loves you. So we're going to bow our heads right now. And on this Pentecost Sunday, we're just going to ask the Lord. To move in this place and to move on hearts. Lord, I preach your word to the best of my ability this morning. And we're just asking for your signs to confirm in this place, Lord. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it's time to do it now. Nobody's really guaranteed tomorrow. And if you're here and you've not done that or you have made a commitment and you went back on it, I want to tell you Jesus will receive you with open arms. He wants to forgive you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to use your life. If any of those describe you, I want you to slip up your hand right now in the name of Jesus and say, pray for me this morning. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Do it quickly. What? If God's dealing with your heart, listen, I'm telling you, living for Jesus is the best thing ever. There's nothing in life like serving Jesus and letting him use your life. Anybody else this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand this morning. I'm going to ask our prayer people to come forward this morning. We're, th those of you that, that pray for people, Bob, the, the rest of you that come. I want you to raise the hand this morning. I want you to step out of the aisle and come down here to the front and meet with me here. I'm going to pray with you, honey. I want you to come too.
Hallelujah. If you're here this morning and you're dealing with anxiety or depression or fear, I want you to come forward. I want to lay hands on you this morning. I believe God will set you free in the name of Jesus. If that describes you, I want you to come. Jesus can do more for you than some pill. If God's dealing with you, you, you say, I'm tired of the fear and the anxiety and the depression. I want you to come this morning. Hallelujah. So we're here. Let's just stand, lift our hands, worship the Lord. Lord, we worship you. We thank you, Father. Let's just sing that to the Lord. On holy ground. And I know there are angels. And I know that there are angels. Let us praise Jesus now. Let us praise Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We are standing in his presence. Bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. This is holy. Praise God. How many glad you came to church this morning? How many thankful for the presence of the Holy Ghost? <laughs> Amen. Isn't God good? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we pray your blessing upon your people this day. Lord, may they be blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the country, Lord. May everything that they set their hand to do be blessed in the name of Jesus. Everyone said amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's it. Give God a hand of praise this morning. God's good. Thank you, Lord.